0: Every week, we bring you breaking news and analysis from around the globe, featuring the animals you love and the people who care for them. And here's your anchorman, John Rossi. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Ross Safari Zoo News, your look at everything going on in the worlds of zoos, aquariums, animals, conservation, All those kinds of things. Excited to have you all back. And in case this is your first time listening, this is a crowd-sourced news program, meaning that uh, while I do find some of these articles myself, if you happen to see something that you would uh, like to maybe hear about on Zoo News, you can go ahead and send that to me. Either tag me in it on social media, at Rossafari everywhere except for at Rossafari pod on the TikTok machine. Or you can email me, uh, Rossafaripod at gmail.com, and I will totally say your name at the end of the episode, whether or not I use your story, which, I mean, honestly, is is a pretty good deal for you. Like, you get the guarantee even if I don't put the story out there. So uh, I'd I'd hop on that. And uh, actually, I have to say, in the last bunch of weeks, the number of stories incoming has been... So much higher than what I can put on each episode, and I am so grateful to all of you. So if if you have had stories coming in that that aren't getting reported on, um, I kind of choose and, and pick these stories based on my own criteria, but um, just know that I am wildly thankful, and I do save a lot of the ones that don't make it on in any given week in case uh, the next week comes up and I'm a little short or, you know, things were less interesting or whatever. So uh, yeah, thank you for for participating in that. Okay, so I have kind of two things that I wanted to talk to you about before we actually get to the zoo news. Uh, first of which is just a quick little update on me. I am back at my place in Ardmore and I will be here for the next couple of months recording uh, the podcasts here as I am playing Shockingly, another production of Million Dollar Quartet, this time at the Media Theater. So if you happen to be around the Philadelphia area and want to come check out that production, uh, yeah, come come see it. Um, I even mentioned Ross in my bio, so that's exciting, question mark. Uh, but it's me and uh, it's my buddy Taylor Gray playing uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, who you all know from a lot of the music. On this very podcast, so um maybe if if some fans come out, we'll sing Zoo News instead of uh, Blue Suede Shoot. We won't. We absolutely will not. We would totally get fired for doing that. But uh, it's a nice thought. But yeah, yeah, come if you come out, come say hi. You yeah, will introduce you to Taylor. You know, it'll be fun. Um, yeah. And then the other thing that I wanted to share was actually a little bit of a follow up to the bonus episode that we did. Um, you know, our truth for Toki bonus episode. Uh, I thought that was wildly powerful. Getting to be a part of that was really cool and really important to me. Um, and I, I had some thoughts about this whole thing. And <laughs> okay, this is kind of ridiculous. And and I know that uh, anecdotes don't have the most value in the world. And yeah, I don't know. But there there's a personal story in my life that actually relates to this and i know you're thinking i can hear the giggle already this is a joke but it's actually not it's it's funny to me that that i have a story in my life that that draws a comparison to people trying to uh set an elderly orca free and will probably hurt or kill it but i actually do and so i wanted to take a moment and share that story with y'all um just because i think sometimes it helps to take things out of certain contexts like in this case the fact that toki is in a um area of the miami sea aquarium that isn't the best for her but like we don't want to kill her either right so um without further ado here is a ridiculous personal story okay so um A few years ago now, uh, my grandmother, who I called Nanny, passed away, uh, and she died from cancer, and it was was pretty unexpected. We knew she wasn't feeling super well, but um, she went to the doctor, and uh, I, I remember I was playing a gig in North Carolina. And I got a phone call saying that uh, Nanny had been diagnosed with cancer and that um, it was pretty aggressive and pretty far along. And they were going to try to treat it, but that we likely had a year or maybe two years, you know, at most with her. And roughly six weeks later, she was gone. And that was a lot. Um, The the cancer was so aggressive and the treatment was so ineffective. And honestly, you know, Nanny was old and was tired and the doctors would tell her to do stuff and she just didn't want to. She was old and tired and not able to handle it all. So as things got worse, she moved into hospice. And um, there was some lingering hope. Some of us had it more than others, I think, that, that she would recover from some of the smaller things that were bothering her and then be able to fight the cancer. But also, you know, it was towards the end of her life regardless. Uh, and for whatever reason, two of her sisters and one of their husbands got it in their heads that my mother and my grandfather, Poppy – Two people who loved Nanny unconditionally had just decided to let her die. They, they were just – they were not getting her treatment and that, you know, they were just going to let her die and that she could totally get treatment and everything would be fine if, if it wasn't for my evil mother and poppy, which is insane and ridiculous. But they really got it in their heads, like to the point that I remember going and seeing one of my great aunts um, at a Sam's Club, and she refused to speak to my mother. Although since I wasn't part of this evil kill nanny conspiracy, she did talk to me. Uh, just ridiculous crap. Um, but <laughs> they they went. They went to the hospice and and said they were going to take nanny – out uh, outside for some, you know, sitting in the garden time or sunshine or whatever. So they, the nurses got Nanny out of bed and put her in a uh, wheelchair where this team of cuckoo banana pants people, that's the scientific term, kidnapped her or attempted to. I kid you not. They wheeled her out the front of the hospice to where they had a van waiting And with her saying no, stop, and trying to resist, these three people who are all older than dirt tried to pick up my infirm grandmother and throw her into the back of a van. I am not kidding. I don't even know whether I should laugh or cry as I tell this story, right? And guess what? This is going to shock y'all. Super didn't go well. Matter of fact, they dropped her. Some of them fell. Nurses and doctors had to come running out. It was a whole thing. Nanny got hurt. Other people got hurt. The people who tried to do this are banned from that hospice. Like, even if they are old and infirm, they will have to go to a different hospice because they are not allowed there anymore. And uh, a few weeks later, Nanny was gone. The conspiracy people all still blamed my mother and grandfather and actually chose to skip the funeral to show them. Now, that includes one of the sisters of, of of Nanny who literally was her best friend from the time that they were children until this happened. Her entire life. They talked almost every night on the phone and they just loved each other. And that's how that all ended. And, um... Uh, First of all, that's just an insane story and kind of fun or cathartic to share. I'm not even sure which. Um, But then on top of that, that's what's going on with these people who are you know fighting against the idea of of keeping Toki where she is the idea of breaking her out of her pen and throwing her into a van in this case a sea pen um you know in the pacific northwest uh and and injuring her as they throw her in and stuff because of the transport and all that others it, it's just it's just ridiculous and i just i thought about that story and i wanted to share it with all of you and and i know we're over 10 minutes on the intro and i apologize but um yeah that that story just really came back to my mind right after i did that interview and i I don't know if that says more about the people trying to uh to kill toki by by setting her quote free or more about my family but i'm gonna shut up and get to zoo news now well, it's one for the pandas, two for the bears, three for the monkeys. Now you should care, now won't you? Listen to zoo news. Oh, you could do anything, but want to listen to zoo news? Well, it's a zoo, 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 zoo. So, um, speaking of cancer, uh, and no, I did not do that on purpose. It is uh, my my sad duty to announce the passing of the president and CEO of the Dallas Zoo, Greg Hudson, uh, who passed away after a brief but valiant battle with cancer. Um, Greg and the team at the Dallas Zoo have been through a whole lot in the last year, as you know. But the Dallas Zoo is an incredible facility and to lose a leader and especially a leader who was so involved with, uh, with his staff. Um, it's a hard blow and, and it's a time when there have been a few of those for Dallas. So, uh, sending our condolences to just everyone at the Dallas zoo. Uh, the next story is, um, Coming from an anonymous source, but I have heard through the grapevine and confirmed with multiple people that the ACA is actually planning on changing their messaging around SSPs, which are their species survival plans. So... Um, the SSP is the uh, the way that the the AZA ensures that uh, they have a healthy captive population with all kinds of breeding and other stuff going on. And um, yeah, there are a whole bunch of species that are featured. And you guys know what the SSP is if you're listening to this, probably. And if not, go back and listen to like 8,000 episodes where we talk about it. But... um. For a long time, the official messaging about the SSPs has been focused on the fact that they are able to help wild populations in any kind of crazy event— in which a population would be completely decimated, we would have good genetic stock to restock that population in the wild. However, what we know is that animals that are raised in captivity, unless they are done so for a very specific uh, re-release program, raised a certain way, whatever, um, are not good candidates for re-release. It's not like if tomorrow lions went extinct, we could take all the lions from the zoos in the AZA, stick them in Africa, and boom, lion population. We would have a bunch of ridiculous kitties looking for their next meal from their zookeepers and uh, wondering where their balls of enrichment are. So um, it, would, it would basically be a really big house cats out in the wild. Uh, actually, to be honest, I know house cats with more survival instinct than some captive lions but that's besides the point um so yeah so they're moving away from that messaging and are going to really start to focus on how the ssps provide good genetic diversity in captive populations and also ensure that zoos don't have to take animals out of the wild anymore which is a really important part of the messaging of of zoos and aquariums nowadays that that gets lost i think a lot of the time um so that's that's really good and the ACA is also going to really start to push their SAFE programs, which are the programs that focus on in situ conservation, helping populations in the wild, in some cases, actually doing releases or re-releases or head starting programs, all those types of things. So it's um it's a subtle distinction, but I think it's important. And I think it's extra important because SAFE is a really good acronym and SSP isn't the average zoo goer isn't going to walk away and be like oh yes i remember reading about the ssp i don't know why average zoo goers have that accent but apparently they do but it's pretty easy for them to like go up to a tree kangaroo exhibit and then be like ah the tree kangaroo safe program they are helping keep tree kangaroos safe i i'm sorry i don't know what happened there but yeah cool cool story Anyway, a quick reminder that many zoos are doing summer camps, mostly for children. A few have ones for adults, uh, but mostly for children. But that I'm hearing from zoos all around the country that summer camps are either already full are filling up really fast. As a matter of fact, somebody that I interviewed for an episode that'll be coming out here in a little bit was telling me that all of the summer camps that were planned at their zoo actually got booked by members before they even went uh, to the general public to be able to sign up. So they were trying to figure out whether they could do more camps or what was going on. But apparently this is a hot year for zoo summer camps. So um, if you happen to be near a zoo and have a summer and have a child that likes to do things in the summer uh, and want to send them to a camp, I would look into it ASAP or you go going to miss out. The mayor of Attleboro, Kathleen DeSimone, has officially established a task force to determine the best path forward for Capron Park Zoo, which is a wonderful little zoo up in uh, New England. Unfortunately, the zoo has been absolutely uh, just devastated by the whole COVID shutdown thing. They are, I believe, a city-run zoo, and as such, they had to stay closed a lot longer than a lot of other facilities did. They're also a small facility, so losing all that income really impacted them, and uh, there's just a whole lot going on. So although the zoo is itself doing well, and animals are thriving, and it's, it's doing all of the zooy things that it needs to do, um, you know, zoos cost a lot of money and you need to constantly be upgrading to stay uh, in the AZA and all that good kind of stuff. So um, yeah, the mayor has uh, announced this task force in the hopes of figuring out the best path forward. And I, I truly do believe that um, that is real. I don't think there's suddenly going to be a, a, you know, suggestion of shutting down the zoo or anything. Um, a few people who sent this to me seemed kind of concerned that that might be the direction that it was going in. And I get it, especially the one article didn't really mention the COVID stuff. But on some further digging, I think the zoo is going to be okay. They just need to figure out a way to, you know, not be such a drain on, on the city finances and be able to support themselves more. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful and confident that the, uh, that the zoo and this task force will get there. Our friends at the Cape May County Park and Zoo have announced that the World of Birds aviary will be permanently closing its doors later this spring. Uh, This is because it is an older building and they need to maintain a tropical climate in it for the birds and tropical climates uh, cause some damage to buildings, um, especially older ones. So the building is simply not doing its best, and maintenance and repairs have become unsustainable. So uh, they will be relocating their entire bird collection to other accredited zoos across the country, and then the building will be removed, and uh, there will be some uh, new construction done there, and that'll be part of the master plan moving forward. But if you are a fan of the world of birds at Cape May County Zoo, uh, you should get your butt there soon and say goodbye. Our friends at the Columbus Zoo have announced that Heart of Africa is officially open again. Heart of Africa is, of course, uh, the African animal section at the zoo and is actually the largest section of the Columbus Zoo. And it closes seasonally for the winter because it turns out that African animals, by and large, don't actually want to play in the snow. Something about being from Africa. I think. However, the section is open again and is well worth a trip to Columbus. And speaking of Ohio, the Cincinnati Zoo has teamed up with some partners to head down to the Ohio River. And last week, they removed 4,153 pounds. Of trash from the banks of the Ohio, including 131 bags, four propane tanks, four five gallon buckets, 177 pounds of plastic, 88 pounds of scrap, 16 and a half tires, a semi tire, which I assume they mean semi-truck because I don't understand what's the difference between a half-tire and a semi-tire otherwise, uh, and more. The point is that there are a whole lot of people shoving a whole lot of crap into the waterways, and it's really, really not acceptable, really frustrating, really annoying. But how cool is it that the Cincinnati Zoo is out there doing the thing? I love it so much. And actually, you know what? We're, we're going to stay. We're going to stay, not not at Cincy, but in Ohio, for one more story, because the names of the Toledo Zoo polar bear cubs have been announced, and they're awesome. So there are two cubs, and their names are Kalu and Kalik. Uh The names mean Thunder, which is Kalu, and Lightning, which is Kalik. And these little bears are starting to show some serious personality. Kalu is larger and, uh, for a long time did not want to get into the pool, but Kalik, who is smaller, is also very brave and a great swimmer. So, um, they are now going to be getting used to the outdoor exhibit. Uh, they've, they've been, you know, BTS with mama, but yeah, now they'll be getting used to the outside. And, uh, by the way, that whole area had to be baby proofed, which is an adorable concept. Um, and then later this spring, guess what? They're going to be on display, y'all, so you can head to Toledo later this spring to see polar bear cubs, also known as polar bearlets, but only on this podcast. The Santa Barbara Zoo in California has announced that they are going to be uh, opening a new exhibit with a species that is returning to the zoo soon. It's a species some of you may have heard of before. It's called a red panda. They're getting red pandas. I'm so excited. And actually, the male red panda that is going to be on exhibit at the zoo has already headed out there to live behind the scenes and get to know the keepers and everything. And guess what? It is Sandy, the male red panda that was born at the Trevor Zoo. So really exciting to see Sandy off and and living his best life. Life. And, um, yeah, I can't wait to see this exhibit. And, and, you know, they're getting a male. They're getting a female. Hopefully they'll have breeding going on. So really exciting time for the Santa Barbara Zoo and red panda fans, pandas like me. And speaking of pandas, but the less good kind <laughs> – Just kidding. The other kind, the bears, panda bears, Uh, Zoo Atlanta has announced that they have been working uh, between the uh, panda keeper team and their veterinary team to find a way to get their pandas to voluntarily participate in an echocardiogram or an ultrasound of the heart, right? So this is a great diagnostic tool. It is a non-invasive way to look at the hearts of these incredible bears. It also means that they don't need to be put under anesthesia, which is always a concern, especially for the older bears. You know, as you get older, it becomes more dangerous to have that done to you as an animal. It's uh, For you humans that listen, which I assume is all of you, uh, it's it's a lot less of a concern to do human-to-human. We, we understand the science of it very well. Animal anesthesia is still a whole lot trickier, especially for species that there aren't a lot of in captivity. Anyway... Um, after much discussion, much trial and error, and, and even some, some failed attempts, uh, the pandas are now – being trained to do this in a really helpful way. They figured it out. They figured out a way to get their bodies up to where they need to be. They tried a couple different positions that didn't work. Then they found one that worked, and now they're working on holding it longer. The whole thing is just really cool. Um, But this does mean that they may have their chests shaved around their hearts as they continue to work on this, and then actually take images of uh, their hearts. So if you see pandas at Zoo Atlanta, and they have a bit of of their chest shaved. Don't worry, it's totally cool. This is merely something that they are doing to help with their future health care and also like check in on their hearts, you know, which are a pretty important part of the body. But actually that that brings up another thing I wanted to talk about with pandas, um, that I've just been hearing. Again, this is one of those through the grapevine stories, but um You know, things with the Memphis panda situation have been really bad for a while now. And again, when I say that, what I mean is that Memphis was doing a perfectly wonderful job taking care of their two elderly pandas. One passed away in a very normal and expected way. And the other one is now being sent back to China because this is the natural conclusion of the 20-year lease. And, um, the panda is fine, but there are all these conspiracy groups that have, I mean, you guys listen to the pod. You know, you know that the Memphis team has simply been abused on social media by well-intended, but idiotic people who don't really understand biology and don't know what they're talking about. And oh my God, it's Toki again. And oh my God, it's my grandmother again. That's crazy. Um, You know, and it's worth mentioning that at the end of this month, there will be no more pandas at the Memphis Zoo, but there will still be four pandas at Zoo Atlanta, and there will still be three panda bears at the National Zoo. Um, And I just, I have a really bad feeling that um, the vitriol that is aimed at Memphis is going to suddenly laser focus on the bear's at those zoos. And and by the bears, I mean the keepers and the staff and all of that. So I really, really hope that um, if if you are a fan of those places, that the next time you go and you see those pandas and you see those keepers working their butts off, give them a little extra love, give them a little extra support, let them know that you are you know grateful for the job they do. I mean, heck, I think we should do this with all zoo keepers always. And I frequently try to when I'm at you know, different zoos and such. But, um, I just, I just have a bad feeling. I hope I'm wrong, but I have a bad feeling that when Memphis no longer has pandas, the problem's not just going to magically melt away. The Oregon Zoo has announced that since late January, California condors at the conservation center at the zoo have been laying multiple eggs, and several of them have hatched now, along with there being several other fertile eggs that have been laid this year, and more chicks are expected soon. So uh, this is obviously part of the Condor Recovery Program, which is one of the most all-time successful, awesome, wonderful conservation projects to ever be done by zoos And um, it's, it's just a beautiful thing That this is still happening And still ongoing And these chicks are still being hatched And man, this program has become so successful I just think that's so cool So congrats to everyone at the Oregon Zoo Oregon Zoo? I don't know Let's just say that I'm really glad That these condors aren't Oregon anymore a- Anyone? This is kind of cool I guess most of these things are. That's why they're Zoo Newsworthy. But anyway, uh, Connecticut's Beardsley Zoo has announced that on April 19th and 20th, they are going to be hosting Safe Capture Training, which is a program that was created by the San Diego Zoo Global Alliance. And um, it's known as the San Diego Global Safe Capture Chemical Immobilization Course. Uh, The course runs from eight to five, both days, and class participants will be outside of a building at the zoo training with delivery apparatus that looks similar to handguns and rifles. So first of all, if you happen to be in Bridgeport on April 19th and 20th, don't worry, there isn't a zuku coup happening. Zuku. I feel like that's something I'm going to try sometime and probably will be the end of my life, but... That's a that's a different story entirely. Anyway, um, this course is absolutely wonderful. It uh, provides the most complete up to date instruction available on the chemical immobilization of animals and is taught by veterinarians and biologists who specialize in remotely delivered anesthetic agents. Um, And in case you're wondering why uh, this would be a thing, well, the objective is to handle an animal that is not acclimated to human contact in a manner that inflicts the least amount of stress and adds a safety factor for both the animal and the human. The training is not just for the staff at Beardsley Zoo, but is actually for um, staff from a number of zoos in the region. And if you can't tell by how I said a lot of those words, I got that directly from a press release from Beardsley. So thank thank you for sending that to me and not making me paraphrase at all. The Tulsa Zoo has announced that Jeannie, the zoo's 43-year-old southern white rhinoceros, has begun her end-of-life care monitoring due to advanced age and declining health. Um, so she has been at the zoo for 41 of her 43 years and is loved by the staff and fans alike. And, um, she is the matriarch of the crash and, uh, that's going to make it interesting to see who steps up once she is gone. But really the really beautiful part of this is that the Tulsa zoo has announced this now while genie is alive so if you are a fan of the tulsa zoo and you know genie you have a chance now to go out and say goodbye to this this beautiful rhino and i think that's really cool i love when zoos do this whenever i see it i will give them a shout out on zoo news thank you so much for your transparency and also for giving people the chance to come and say goodbye. I know that's not, you know, something that can happen all the time with animals, but I feel like especially when it is a charismatic animal and especially when you can see it coming, that uh, it's, it's just an incredibly kind thing to do to the people who do fall in love with these animals, as, as well as, like I said, it's just a great example of transparency. Mad, mad props to the Tulsa Zoo. And also, for those of you who listen in the zoo field, please suggest that your facility do this. I think this is awesome. The Oklahoma Aquarium, who y'all know I absolutely love, has started to post their weekly field trip forecast. This is simply a way to look at how many students are expected to be showing up at the aquarium for their field trips and they even color code it. So uh, this was um, from last week. And if you wanted to go on April 10th, there were only going to be 50 students there on a field trip. So it got green. Uh, April 11th, 475 students, so that's a big fat red. On April 12th was 300 students, so that's yellow and then on they went. On April 14th it was 575 students, which is awesome for those students and awesome for the aquarium and great for science literacy. But also, I'm not sure that I want to go that day and have to fight through all those kids when we all know that aquariums exist solely so that John Rossi can sit alone and quietly with sea turtles. Hmm. I'm hearing from my editors that that's not actually the fact and uh, they exist for a lot of other reasons and I should be glad people are going and I probably am. But I love the idea of showing this to the public so that if you're a person like me who maybe doesn't want to be surrounded at a, a facility, you know what days to avoid and you know what to expect if you have to go on that day. So I think that's very cool and I would love to see more places do this. They have the info. It's just the simple matter of posting it publicly. And then last but not least, in the Zunu segment, uh, there's a fun little um, story that I wanted to share, which is an AITA on Reddit. If you don't know, that stands for MI the Beep Hold. Uh, Beep doesn't start with an A, but it's a a word that does. And the idea is that you can anonymously post stories on Reddit and say AITA, which uh, then lets everybody comment on whether or not you, in fact, were being an a-hole in that situation. So uh, those are a lot of fun if you haven't checked them out. It's definitely a, a good way to waste some time. Um, but this one was AITA for not pulling over at my co-worker's request while transporting a cheetah between zoos. And the whole idea was that, uh, there were some cheetahs being moved between zoos and the cheetahs pooped. In their crates, in the van, and a new zookeeper couldn't handle it. And it's a pretty funny read, um, but what was even more funny about it is that the keeper community at large got into a debate about whether it was a true story a true story that was being fictionalized to make it more entertaining or just somebody seeking attention and there was actually a lot of debate about that which kind of got into the different strategies of transporting animals that are being used by different zoos and by different zoo keepers and uh, i found the whole thing rather entertaining um And I'm not going to comment on whether or not I think the person was in fact an a-hole because uh, they might be somebody that I want to have on the podcast someday. And I'm not going to insult anyone involved here, be it that person or the person who was complaining or, you know, in these cases, someone is always the A. But uh, yeah, it's a fun little read if you want to go check it out on Reddit. Conservation! Conservation! News time! Oh yeah! All right, mates. So we're going to stop this off in uh, Australia, where... No. Oh, come on, Ren. What if I call it Straya like you do? No. Fine. And man, I bet a lot of you are such new listeners that you might not even recognize the voice of Ren Howell from Wildlife Sydney Zoo. Her episode was amazing, if you haven't caught it, and I'm hoping to have her back on for a catch-up later this year, even though she frequently yells at me. In Zoo News episodes. But anyway, the Prime Minister of Australia, Anthony Albanese, recently announced a new recovery plan uh, to help... Save and preserve the greater bilby. The recovery plan draws on First Nations knowledge and Western science to help bring this species further back from the brink. It includes activities like research and management by traditional owners, removing and managing feral species, and repairing bilby habitats. Uh, bilbies used to live on about two-thirds of Australia's land and are now reduced to around 15% of that land. But this plan is expected to work to help them come roaring back. And even better... OK, not even better. But bonus cool fact. This was announced at Wildlife Sydney Zoo where Ren works. And so I think that is just a really a nice added bonus. I think it's really cool that in certain countries, zoos are just seen as a big part of the conservation uh, picture and um, like work with the government. Which also really cares about conservation. I feel like that's a really cool thing to see. Uh, I, I give this whole, whole project just a huge cry key. No. A new report is out showing the latest statistics on rhino poaching in Africa in the last year. 548 rhinos were poached that year, which is actually up from the 539 that were poached in 2021, although this is still a much better uh, number than things used to be. Back uh, through basically 2017, it was more than a 1,000 every year. Uh, But yeah, on average, one rhino is still poached every 16 hours. The sad news is that while certain areas are having a lot of success with stopping poachers other areas are really struggling most of the rhinos that were poached last year were killed in namibia and south africa and in fact poaching in namibia almost doubled last year with 87 rhinos being killed there up from 45 the year before uh, more than half of those incidents took place in Atosha National Park, uh, which is a tourism hotspot, but apparently there's a lot of discussion about potential corruption in the park, which led to a huge increase in poaching. So hopefully this gets sniffed out, and yeah, sometimes I feel like it's just... It's a non-ending battle. Every time one place gets better, poachers find another place or another way to wreak havoc. It's, it's really heartbreaking. But, uh, you know, at least the numbers are almost in half from where they were a while ago. But y'all, as conservationists, we still have a lot of work to do. And while we're on the topic of things we need to do better with as we work to conserve these important species, Wildlife Friends Foundation Thailand is receiving increased reports of very young orangutans being used at tourist attractions for photo ops and being kept as exotic pets. Obviously, that's a really bad thing, and uh, it means that most of them are probably being trafficked from the wild, which makes it uh, an even worse thing. So um, if you're in Thailand, stop doing that. No, I, I realize that's not really the ending to that story. But it's it's just sad to see something where, you know, this is a species where poaching has gone down and, and numbers have been improving. And now um, in certain areas, it's going all Tiger King again. So uh, just, just heartbreaking to see, honestly. In some happier news, let's talk about our friends at Red Panda Network who have announced the opening date of their Himalayan Habre Center. This is a really incredible building that Red Panda Network has opened up that will be a place where local people can develop skills like sustainable energy use and construction, organic farming, handicraft production, sustainable herding, bio briquette production, nature guide, and eco-trip leadership, rainwater harvesting, water conservation, nursery and homestay management. Now, you may be wondering what all of that has to do with saving red pandas, but poverty is a problem for people living in rural Nepal and an obstacle to saving threatened wildlife, including pandas. Uh, However, there is a strong connection between sustainable economic development and species conservation. Uh, A lot of the times, the people that are um, in these areas might have to turn to poaching to make money if they don't have another way to do it. And on top of that, um, when the areas around these pandas are able to be preserved and taken better care of, there are all these awesome opportunities for the people there to use the skills that they will learn at this center – to make more money, have a more sustainable living, and uh, not have to poach. So it's a win-win for the people and the pandas, and I think that is really awesome. Also, the Habre Center has a lot of really amazing red panda artwork and murals and such that depict the beauty of the species, and um, the goal here is to have the locals come to learn those skills, but also to learn to fall in love with red pandas, which— Spoiler alert, not a hard thing to fall in love with, Um, but if they do that, they will be less likely to then go out and poach or do other things um, like cutting down trees and stuff that can harm red panda conservation. So this is a win-win, and I am just wildly excited for the Habre Center, which will be opening up on Earth Day. Spoiler alert, Earth Day is Saturday, April 22nd, if you didn't know that. It's time for other news. It's time for other news. Hey, no, right now, right now, then now, it's time. It's time for other news. Hey, it's a segue to the Paul got other news. A fire at the South Fork Dairy Farm near Dimmit, Texas, has led to the death of 18,000 head of cattle which is just a huge number. It is the largest single incident death of cattle in the United States ever. Um, and uh, before that, the highest number was around 400 cows. So pretty, pretty big jump, pretty big jump. The, the crazy thing about this is that um, that is nearly but not quite three times the number of cattle that are led to slaughter every single day. In the United States. So if the number 18,000 blew your mind, just realize that that's roughly what's happening every three days in the country. And like, look, I'm not a vegetarian. I'm not pretending I am. But um, I find the numbers of of what goes on with feeding us in terms of animals and vegetables just astonishing. Um, so, yeah, the uh, the the state of Texas and dairy officials are trying to figure out how to clean up 18,000 charred cow carcasses. Um, And uh, there are all kinds of laws in Texas about how you can uh, bury carcasses when things happen. And there's just all kinds of stuff going on. Um, that that really play into this including like all carcasses needing to be buried at least 50 feet from the nearest well and um, all carcasses have to have GPS coordinates of their site recorded. Uh, there's a debate about whether mass graves are allowed or not. So um, even though this is freaky uh, and, and sad for a variety of ways, um, it also really creates some interesting logistical nightmares for people that uh, that I wouldn't have thought of. So So just kind of a fascinating look at a really terrible situation. A male eagle named Murphy, who lives at the World Bird Sanctuary, has been going viral because he built a nest and uh, has a rock in it that he seems to think is an egg that he needs to protect in his 90,000 plus cubic square foot eagle aviary. Uh, He is attacking any of the other occupants of the habitat that uh, get close to even his third of the aviary that he is located in. And um, he is also just uh, freaking out anytime any of the keepers get close or anything. So uh, the World Bird Sanctuary has announced that they have had to take an eagle, who, again, is defending a rock behind the scenes because he was stressing out and attacking other eagles and all that stuff and uh, it's it's a cute and kind of goofy story but Murphy and his rock baby are now living behind the scenes at the World Bird Sanctuary so sadly you cannot go ahead and see Murphy but uh, don't worry the World Bird Sanctuary will be putting up multiple posts and pictures on their social media sites so that you can continue to see this eagle uh, raise It's Rock Child. There has been a string of weird moose events happening in Alaska recently— um a moose calf also known as a mooselet which that might be the only reason i'm putting this story in here recently fell through the ice in a river in alaska and six humans teamed up to get ropes around its legs and save it now this was a multi-hour rescue mission but they were able to save the moose who then did not want to leave their side seemed very appreciative and uh was just wanting to hang out with them So that's a really cute, fun story. Uh, There was another moose that needed to be rescued in Anchorage in January, a different one in Wasilla in March, a home invasion by a moose last week, which I believe I spoke about on Zoo News. And then also another moose that wandered into an Anchorage hospital lobby. Moose just walked into a hospital lobby. As far as they could tell, the moose didn't even need medical help, just happened to wander on in. So, not quite sure what's going on with the moose in Alaska, but uh, they're causing some drama right now. And then, last but not least, for other news this week, a bear in Windsor, Connecticut decided to crash an Easter egg hunt. And it uh, showed up, found the eggs, broke into the eggs, and ate. All the candy inside, which is really adorable, but also like, you know, not good because we don't want to entice bears to uh, get in touch with humans and um, feeding them is a good way to do that. Uh, As a matter of fact, in 2022, in Connecticut alone, bears entered people's homes 67 times, which is... A really astonishing number and really makes me want to move to connecticut and leave my door open i i make bad choices when it comes to animals y'all but uh yeah seriously i don't know i'm sure the kids were very upset but uh i would rather a bear show up to an easter egg hunt than uh than not so um yeah no one was harmed uh except you know for the um the chocolate bunnies which got eaten animal 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 All right, and so it is time for your animal holidays for the week. It is the month of April, so keep in mind, it is Ape Awareness Month and National Frog Month. And we start this week on April 14th, which is National Dolphin Day. The 15th through the 23rd launches National Park Week. The 16th is Save the Elephant Day. The 17th is National Crawfish Day and Bad Appreciation Day. And the 20th is Cuckoo Day. And those are your animal holidays for the week. So there you have it, folks. Another week of Safari Zoo News is in the books. And, uh, hey, make sure you stick around after the credits for a fun little post-credits scene. I'm just building my own RCU, the Safari Connected Universe. RPU? Safari Podcast Universe? I'm going to stop. Uh, but I actually will tell you that along with the— um the upcoming uh conservation tales podcast that i told you about that we'll be adding to the feed from time to time i just uh started to work on a new project with somebody else that uh you're going to love it's going to deal with zoo things from a different perspective and i'm i'm just really excited to to keep building these podcasts and making cool things happen so uh that's going to be a lot of fun uh, you know, and it takes a lot of work to do these things, so hey, if you think about it maybe hop on over to patreon.com slash where for as little as $3 a month you can become a patron and get cool things like bonus audio from some of the episodes and if you become a Red Panda level patron, then you'll get to hear your name said on every single episode when I say something like this Thank you to Laura Shank and Kristen Dickey my Red Panda level patrons See how well that works? Anyway, I'd also like to take a moment to say thank you to everyone who contributed to Zoo News this week. Anya Keen, Colleen Lenahan, Kim Cooley, Carrie Kirkpatrick, Kevin Williams, Kristen Khalil, Dylan Hoy, Marianne Rossi, and Emily Rockbuck. Thank you all so much for your contributions. And remember, friends... The words Newsy credits backwards are Steiderk The The Rossifari Podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact-checking by John and Dr. Zoe Rossi. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rosafari or by email at rasafaripod at gmail.com. Rossafari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo. bio Burquette for... <laughs> no! Bio-Burquette for... <laughs> yeah! Okay, okay, okay. You can say this. Uh, Bio briquette. No, briquette. It's briquette. You know how to say this.